This is Susan V. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out, talking once again with Dr. Alan Safdie. He is a world-renowned internist and gastroenterologist with encyclopedic knowledge of mind-body wellness and preventative medicine. This winter into next summer, Dr. Allen is offering a series of seminars and intensives around health and wellness. To learn more about those, um, call 1-877-448-5416. This week, the subject is how to avoid colds and flus this winter. The fact is, Americans will come down with a whopping half billion colds in this upcoming season, and up to 20% of the population will develop the dreaded flu and miss the big snow in Telluride. So we are talking about avoidance. Dr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Susan. It's a very uh, topical subject since we have an early flu outbreak this year. Yes. So what is number one on your list of ways to avoid colds and flus? Um. Well, there's more than one thing, but number one, I think everybody should be out there getting the flu vaccine. Um, you know, it's important to differentiate the two, um, but are your vaccinations up to date? And I think, you know, do we guess at flu vaccines? Yes, we guess. Uh, you know, they're updated to better match viruses expected to be circulating in the United States yearly because um, some of the older uh, viruses that we had, we update these, so components of previous viruses. And so there's trivalent and quadrivalent, meaning you have three different killed viruses in them or four different killed viruses within them. But get your flu vaccines early, and we'll talk about all kinds of little ways you can do to make yourself a little bit more protected from getting the flu and vaccines. Um, one of the things that's fascinating, since I'm talking on a cell phone, that we ever think about um, is our phones. Uh, so our phones often, when cultured, are dirtier than a toilet seat. So it's one of the things that's... Um, so there's been doctors that have claimed iPhone use or any cell phone use uh, are four times more likely to catch the flu. You're sitting around with these, people are coughing, you put your hands on places and you put them on your phone. You take your phones out while you're eating, uh, we wash our hands and then take our phones out again. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, the average, um, at least in Britain, I don't know the data in the United States, uh, the average person in Britain checks their phone every 12 minutes. Um, and you couple that with some poor hand hygiene or what they touch, uh, that's a perfect storm for picking up the flu in the winter. So think about that. We'll talk a little bit about what to do in the gym, how to avoid picking up illnesses in a gymnasium. But... You know, first and foremost is get your flu vaccine. Uh, in some years, we've had up to 80,000 flu-related or pneumonia from the flu-related deaths nationally. So more than we had in colon cancer or a lot of almost all cancers. Um, influenza is not a benign disease, and don't think it is. Isn't when we're talking about basic things like the flu shot, isn't even more basic just the whole idea of washing your hands? Absolutely. Soap and water is our friend. We talked about that, I think, previously. But when you wash your hands, you know, rub the palms together, then rub one palm over the back of the other hand, rub that other palm over the back of the other hand, wash between your fingers, and then down to your nails. Your nails go into the palm, just like we do before a surgical procedure. Um, 
and it's not for a few seconds. Uh, some people saying happy birthday or happy birthday twice. Um, but make sure you use soap and water. If you can't, if your hands are grossly dirty, always use soap and water. I played tennis this morning. My hands would be grossly dirty. Um, so alcohol solutions alone would not take care of the dirt. So and alcohol solutions alone don't get rid of certain bacteria like Clostridium difficile um, or the toxins that they have. So soap and water is really your best ally this time of year. And be careful where you rub your hands when they're dirty. Any mucous membranes, eyes, nose, mouth, lips, mm-hmm. um, be very careful of that. Uh, if you're on an airplane, wipe down, you know, because people are on airplanes and you're close confines on the airplane, you know, wipe down the armrest, wipe down the seat belt, um, you know, wipe down the, the where you're controlling the airflow onto you, uh, the tray. Mm-hmm. It just takes a second for us to really think about this and try to avoid this. If the person had the flu before you, uh, those viruses may stay active while they're in wet circumstances on those trays, which get folded up into the back of the seat. So mm-hmm. take a little bit of time. Um, you know, I guess now is a good time. You know, we could talk about, you know, what do you do in a gym uh, when you're there? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you get – don't assume – that somebody wiped down the equipment prior to you getting on that. So the handlebars, um, you know, in the gym are quite dirty. So if you're on an elliptical, wipe those down before you start and when you're done. Um, There's lots of areas where germs, viruses, and funguses can be found year-round in gymnasiums. Uh, So take a second, wipe those down. If you're lifting weights, wipe down the handlebars. Uh, if you're on a stationary bike or weight machines, wipe those down. And don't assume that the towels in a gym are absolutely clean. Uh, we assume they're clean. Yeah, they were washed. But some gyms wash a lot of towels, use the same container to carry the dirty towels to the washing area, and then use the same container to bring the towels back. Um, so your water bottles, you know, you've touched a lot of things in the gym. You know, I use a metal water bottle. We've done podcasts on the dangers of microplastics. I don't use Mm -hmm. a plastic bottle, but I take a second and wash it with soap and water, the outside as well as the inside. Shake it up in the sink there, and because it's going to stay wet inside, um, then I leave the lid off in my car, take it back into the gym the next day. So there's lots of little things we can do um, to fight cold and influenza. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to ask another one that's quite specific. Researchers in Taiwan have discovered that fresh ginger inhibits certain viruses from attaching to cells and even reduce their ability to replicate. So is grating some ginger into hot water or spicy tea or adding it to your next stir fry a good idea? Um, yeah, I love ginger in my tea, <laughs> so I think it's a great idea. Okay. Uh, if you don't like it, you're not going to use it. Um Ginger and turmeric are, you know, they're in the same family. Um, You know, the yellow spice that we have in Indian cooking um, actually help with the immune system. What we're looking at, and this is a little bit complicated, is we're looking at things that bind to ICAM receptors, I-C-A-M. Those receptors, for a virus to get into a cell, it has to bind to these receptors and get taken up into the cell. So the basis for some of these is, one, they help the overall immune system, and two, they bind Mm -hmm. to these receptors so the viruses can't get into the cells and replicate. So I think 
you know, staying healthy, um, having adequate amounts of vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, but not in a vitamin, by good foods and by a whole ginger and things like that, I think are beneficial. Uh, there's also studies to show if you don't get enough sleep, um, you know, people are more likely, the ones that are sleep deprived, they're more likely to end up getting viral illnesses. You know, it's a fascinating fact that shorter sleep duration measured behaviorally prior to virus exposure was associated with significantly increased susceptibility to colds. Uh, mm-hmm. So those sleeping less than five hours or sleeping between five or six hours are greater risk of developing the cold compared to those that slept seven hours or greater. Um, so, you know, there's lots of little things we can do. So, you know, zinc lozenges um, appears to influence the common cold through the release of these zinc ions that bind to these ICAM receptors that I mentioned. So the virus can't bind to them and replicate so can it cure a cold? No, it's never been thought that it can cure a cold. It may be able to decrease the duration of a cold if used early. Um, and another product, you know, similar to ginger, it was elderberry. Um, you know, elderberry is something that's commonly available in drugstores and online and lozenges and gummies. If you make the syrup yourself, it has to be thoroughly heated to remove any toxic compounds in the berries. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get a stomach ache. Um, but they may shorten the duration. They don't cure anything. They may shorten duration and actually uh, benefit in some clinical studies. So there are certain things we can use for these self-limiting viral infections if used early enough in the infection that may shorten them slightly. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's talk about the role of protein in um, avoiding colds and flus. Many nutritionists believe that diets too low in protein deplete the immune system. What's your feeling on that subject? Um, well, I, I hate when people, I, I hear this all the time, and they say too low in protein. The recommended daily allowance for protein used to be 6% of our diet, and then it went up to 10%. Now a lot of people, and very few people, take less than 10% of their calories um, as protein. So I've in the United States, I see almost nobody that's protein deficient. Uh, the average is over 20%. And too much protein is deleterious also, uh, unless it's from a plant-based source. So yeah, if you're protein malnourished in certain third world countries where I volunteer, um, yeah, they're going to be more prone to illness. But in the United States, I very rarely see too many people, too few, you know, I see very few people that are protein malnourished. Um, I see people on the other end of the spectrum, they have plenty of protein, but they also have plenty of ultra-processed foods, which are dangerous. They're not getting in enough dark green and orange vegetables, uh, carrots, sweet potatoes, pumpkins, winter squash, all those things um, that are rich in antioxidants combined with all the different phytochemicals. But there's no studies to say in the United States um, that excessive amounts of protein are going to help in any, any have any benefit whatsoever, and excessive amounts of animal proteins can be deleterious. Okay, thank you. Um, then, I then I have to focus on something again very specific, which is nasal rinses. They're advertised all over the place. Do they really flush out as the claims <laughs> back on the subject of claims? Um, 90% of germs? 
No. <laughs> um, you know, we're always looking for a simple answer to things. Um, and you, as we discussed in a previous podcast, you can claim whatever you want. Um, and short term, you may see a decrease if we do cultures after you're doing these. Um, they may make you feel better, and there might be a decrease in culture uh, immediately. But if you look at it two, three, four hours later, which they typically do not, no, there's no substantial benefit. Um, these viruses get into the cells themselves. And in the cells, they continue to replicate. I mean, lots of little virus babies until they rupture the cell, and then those viruses are spread. So unfortunately, we're not getting these intracellular viruses um, that are propagating in there. So, you know, we the things that have been shown to be a benefit in clinical studies, um, zinc, elderberry, but again, using them early. Um, you know, cold viruses, there's over 100 serotypes of rhinoviruses, um, so we don't have a vaccine against any of those. So mm-hmm. hand washing and prevention, and, you know, if I was getting a cold, yeah, I would use zinc lozenges, either zinc gluconate or zinc acetate, since they've been proven to be equally efficacious in both studies. I would have a high diet high in anthocyanins, blueberries, blackberries, all of those that have a very healthy diet, I'd get an adequate amount of sleep. Um, but, you know, first and foremost this season is make sure you get your flu vaccines. Um, and if you're old uh, or older, I'm not sure what old is anymore, um, but 65 or age or older, they're now recommending or some people are recommending these high-dose flu vaccines for mm-hmm. the older population. And those vaccines have up to four times the amount of antigen in it. Um, so mm-hmm. if you imagine one normal flu vaccine, imagine four times the potency of that. The reason being the very young and the people as they get older actually develop less antibodies. Um, so these are very potent ones. The FDA has not come down on the side that everybody should or shouldn't have that yet. Okay, thank you. And because I'm a, I'm a chocoholic, I have to ask you this question. Some experts say that two ounces, a two-ounce square of dark chocolate can suppress coughs as effectively as cough medicine. What are your thoughts? Okay, good. Um, I would love to believe that's true since I have two ounces of dark chocolate every single day of my life that I can remember. Um, occasional days even more. Uh, one, we have to remember what a cough is. Uh, So if somebody has, say it was true, um, if you have a cough, there's a reason we're coughing. Uh, If we sprain our ankle and it's swelling, the reason it's swelling, to splint it somewhat, to prevent you from using it, to prevent you from walking on it. Um, If we're coughing, we're trying to clear stuff out of our lungs. It needs to be cleared out. So do one, an absolutely effective cough suppressant? Not always. Uh, There's no good studies to say chocolate, dark chocolate is... And it's you know significantly compared to placebo beneficial uh, cough suppressant. Uh, if one wants to take in two ounces of dark chocolate while they have a cold, I think that's just fine. Um, if it suppresses a cough a little bit, that's just fine. If it was as good as codeine or morphine or any narcotic, that would probably be bad. Sometimes we don't want to suppress the cough. There's a reason we're coughing. We're bringing up stuff out of our lungs that we want to bring up. Why do smokers have more of a problem? Because they lose this little cilia 
our little sweeper cells that are lining down into our lungs that get rid of this debris that we actually cough out. Um, so, you know, I would, I have no problem with you having the dark chocolate. Is it going to be a significant cough suppressant? I will leave that up to you. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. This has been Susan B. Brock, tell you right inside and out. Um, just skirting the surface of a very complex subject, which is how to avoid colds and flus this winter. I've been speaking with Dr. Alan Sopti. If you want a continuing conversation with him, check in at 1-877-448-5416. He is doing a series of talks in Telluride at the Peaks Resort and Spa in Mountain Village. Um, Even the seminars targeting medical professionals are open to the general public. Dr. Allen, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Susan, and stay healthy this winter. Okay, thank you. Thank you.